Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I am so grateful that you decided to take the time today to pause, listen, and connect. This podcast is for anyone interested in wellness, for anyone who is curious about life, and for those who are open to seeing the world through an IFS lens. So I invite you to sit back, relax, or enjoy your walk, your drive, and invite your awareness to connect to your curiosity. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I am really excited today to talk about this new show on Apple TV. It's called Shrinking, and it stars Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, and Jessica Williams, along with some other really great actors throughout it as well. When I first heard about this show, a part of me was excited because from the trailer, I could tell that it was about a therapist, a mental health therapist like myself, played by Jason Siegel. And the trailer kind of showed some controversial behavior from him <laughs> regarding his clients. And a part of me was like, oh, this will be very interesting. And so as I started watching the first couple episodes, I thought, you know, this would be really fun to kind of break down episode by episode here on the podcast and talk about kind of the various things that came up for me as I was watching it. Again, I am a licensed mental health therapist. I see clients. That's my job and my practice. That's what I do. And that's what this character, Jimmy, does, who's played by Jason Siegel. And so what I'm going to be doing in this episode is going through the first two episodes. So episode one and episode two. And so if you haven't seen the show Shrinking yet, I think it just started to be released at the end of January of 2023. So it's, it's really new. If you are wanting to watch it and you haven't watched it yet and you don't want to hear details about what happened in the show before watching it, then stop this podcast and then go watch the show. <laughs> but if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, it sounds like a cool show, but I don't really care if I watch it or not, then keep listening. And hopefully you'll find that this is maybe interesting in some way to you hearing the perspective as a therapist watching a fake therapist have these interesting interactions with their clients. If you are yourself a therapist or a healthcare provider, I'm sure that you might find this interesting in some way. So we'll go into it. So if you look up the show Shrinking, like on Apple TV's website, it gives like a two sentence little blurb and it just says, a grieving therapist starts to tell his clients exactly what he thinks. Ignoring his training and ethics, he finds himself making huge changes to people's lives, including his own. <laughs> so... In episode number one, it opens with his neighbor, Liz, her being woken up along with her husband to sounds of people partying outside. And it's 3 a.m. I'm assuming it's on a weekday. And so she goes outside and it's Jimmy, who's played by Jason Siegel. And he's outside in his backyard with music blaring. There's two women in his pool. There's clearly alcohol involved. And then you can also see that there's this like bowl of pills that's on the table. And Liz, the neighbor, asks what's in the bowl. And Jimmy replies, well, it's Adderall and painkillers. So he's clearly intoxicated. And so she asks him to pack everything up. He agrees. They all go to bed. So then the next morning, he wakes up, he looks like death, <laughs> he's very hungover, and he goes into the kitchen and his daughter, Alice, is, you know, giving him water, gave him breakfast, and then she leaves 
and she's getting a ride to school from Liz, the neighbor. So then you see Jimmy getting ready for what you assume is, I assumed it'd be work, you know, and his car is on empty. So he can't drive his car to work. So he has to ride a bike and he finally gets to this building and it says cognitive behavioral therapy center. And before I started watching the show, I knew he was playing a therapist, but the way that they kind of made this first scene look was that almost like he was going to see his therapist because he walks into the building. He doesn't stop like at a front desk or anything, but he goes into this office, you know, he opens the door and there's a gentleman already sitting in there He's wearing like a suit and tie. He's got glasses on. He looks very much like the traditional old school look of a psychologist, right? And he sits down. He apologizes for being late. And then he looks at the guy dressed in a suit and he said, so what can I help you with today? (laughs) And then you realize, yep, okay. So Jimmy's the therapist and that's his client, which, you know, I thought that right there was just kind of interesting. And I know every therapy practice does it differently but i've never had a client like waiting for me in my office you know they can be waiting in the waiting room you know things like that but never actually in my office i usually keep those doors locked uh just for the sake of privacy confidentiality things like that so (laughs) but no his client was already in there and i will say that jimmy's office is beautiful it is ginormous there's like a nice desk there's a couch there's chairs and it also appears to be that there's like really nice windows and a glass door that like leads out to a deck which is like my dream scenario as a therapist is I would love to eventually have a space where me and my clients could easily access nature in still like a confidential way so the office space itself is is really pretty and so then the credits happen after the credits the 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 show kind of starts running through this kind of snippets of jimmy sitting with various clients i'm assuming just like throughout that same day so jimmy as they're like showing these various clients (laughs) jimmy looks very tired parts of him look irritated disinterested and annoyed with his clients Then they pause and they specifically hover around focusing on this one particular client named Grace. And Grace is, it appears that they've been working with each other, I think he says, for maybe like two years. And she's complaining to Jimmy about like a situation that she had with her husband where she felt maybe disrespected. He talked to her really unkindly. And so then Jimmy... (laughs) goes off on this client about how, you know, her husband is emotionally abusive. She needs to leave him. And basically he tells her that he's done being her therapist if she doesn't leave her husband. And that is a moment (laughs) where as a therapist, I watched that and was like, whoa, parts of me are not okay saying that to a client, especially when, you know, what the person is going through, you as the therapist are not, you're not emotionally connected to the situation like that other person is. You know, Jimmy's not in love or has any type of feelings towards the the husband that's emotionally abusive, right? So it's a, it's really easy for an outsider to look at someone who's maybe expressing these concerns and to say, oh, well, you need to leave him. It's not a fair thing to say, especially as a therapist and in a client relationship, there is a power differential, right? Even though as therapists, we try to make our space feel very safe and equal and inclusive, there's still this power differential between a therapist and a client for a therapist to use that to their advantage of saying like, you need to do this or I won't blah, blah, blah. Like that's ethically not okay. So hearing him say that to his client 
I was like, oh, Jimmy, no, like this. <laughs> but so then she responds with, okay, and then gets up and walks out. And so I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. Let's see where this goes. So she leaves. And then we see Jimmy in the break room of this therapy center with two of his coworkers. One of them's name is Gabby, who's played by Jessica Williams. And the other one is Paul, who's played by Harrison Ford. And so they're hanging out in the break room, chit-chatting, talking. And Jimmy starts to share with them the parts of him that are really annoyed that day with his clients that he's been seeing. And Paul starts talking about, well, he mentions very briefly, he says, oh, that's compassion fatigue, which when he said that, I had a part of me kind of <laughs> come forward and be like, it's not compassion fatigue, but it's technically empathy fatigue. And, you know, I know that the, the term compassion fatigue is how we normally hear it said, but from an IFS perspective, it's not compassion that leads us to feeling fatigued or burnt out. When we are blended with parts of us that are empathetic, which is basically where I am feeling my parts in response to this person feeling all of their parts. So meaning like, let's say I'm sitting with someone and they're really sad or really anxious. And then I'm blended with my empathy parts to the point that I'm feeling activated with my sadness or my anxiety, then that's going to be exhausting to me over time, right? Especially if I'm like sitting with multiple people during the day, during the week, during the month, for years, that is what leads to fatigue and burnout. So in IFS, it's this understanding that we need a balance of both empathy and compassion. Compassion being that feeling of care and wanting to be with and help the person, but not being blended with those maybe big emotions that the other person maybe is feeling as well. When we are accessing compassion, and that's kind of the quality of self that we are embodying, it feels a lot more present and calm and connected with the person, as opposed to being blended with our empathy parts and them being the driver of the session. It feels very different. It really does. And so if you're a therapist listening to this, I encourage you to do some research on it. There's a researcher in Germany who's done a lot of work on the difference between compassion and empathy. She has found to confirm what I just shared is that it's not compassion fatigue. It's actually empathy fatigue. And if we can welcome our empathy parts to be with us, but to be leading from a place of compassion, we are going to feel we as therapists, as providers, we are not going to feel burnt out. We're going to feel present. We're going to feel grounded and really being able to be present with our clients in a way that is beneficial to them and beneficial to us. So I wanted to share that because <laughs> whenever I hear people say compassion fatigue, a part of me always makes a point to be like, well, it's actually empathy fatigue. <laughs> so Paul brings that up and says, so you're talking about being like a psychological vigilante as, you know, Jimmy's character is talking about like, don't you just want to, you know, like shake your clients and just tell them, he says like the truth, I think. And, and then Paul says, you know, well, you're talking about being a psychological vigilante and a vigilante is a person who monitors their environment for signs of wrongdoing and administers unauthorized punishment on perceived norm violations. 
yeah, being a vigilante, I think, in, in a psychological sense as a therapist is maybe not the best route to go. But, you know, they're in the break room. They're kind of just spitballing with each other, consulting and uh, just sharing, sharing their input with each other. So then they break to Jimmy being back in his office and meeting with a client named Sean. Sean is a military veteran. He's been in a bunch of bar fights. And as, as Jimmy begins to talk with Sean, Jimmy starts yawning in the session. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I immediately just started laughing. And I'm like, oh, man, no. Because, you know, it's normal to feel tired, right? Like, as a therapist, you're human. You're going to get tired. But you do have to, you know, kind of read the room and the situation and be like, it's probably not appropriate for me to yawn right now as I'm sitting with this person who is really in a hard spot. And so, you know, when you feel that urge to yawn, just don't. <laughs> or if one sneaks out, you know, and maybe it's necessary to apologize. But in the show, you know, Jimmy yawns. It, it's clear that it, you know, it offends Sean and the client leaves. He asks if he can leave and Jimmy says, yeah, that's fine. So then Jimmy goes home and as he walks into his house, you realize that he's having a memory of coming home from work and there is his wife on the couch watching TV. The house is filled with light and color and you realize that he's remembering uh, like a memory, a moment from the past. And then it cuts to the reality, which is she's not there. She's passed away and the house is very dark. The colors are very muted and he's, he's in a very, very dark space. So then we get to see Alice, Jimmy's daughter, who's hanging out a lot with the neighbor, Liz. Liz, you know, feeds Alice dinner. She takes her to school. She even gives Jimmy food. You know, you see that Liz has been playing a big part for both Liz and Jimmy throughout the past year after his wife has passed away. And she kind of looks at Jimmy at one point and is like, when are you going to like get this back together? Because, you can't keep living like this. And so then it cuts to Jimmy consulting with his coworker, Paul, about what to do with his daughter because his daughter doesn't really want to talk to him. It's clear that she's upset with, with her dad. You know, he invites her to hang out with him, to have dinner with him. And she just is like, no. So, you know, Paul recommends maybe trying to connect with her with with food, you know, having dinner. And so then it's coming back to a session with Jimmy and Sean, the military veteran. And so it's clear that Sean decided to give him another try. Well, really, he says that his mother kind of made him because it was kind of like her, his parents' last straw. I guess he's been getting in a lot of fights. And they were like, you have to go back to this person. So he came back. And then in the middle of the session, Jimmy's phone rings. And he has the phone, I think, right next to him or in his pocket. And he takes the call. <laughs> Which, you know, again, as therapists, we're human. We got stuff going on, too. But this was not that type of situation. <laughs> this was his client, Grace, who he told to leave her husband. He answers the call in the middle of Sean's session and is talking to Grace and she tells Jimmy that she left her husband, that she moved to her sister's house, I think in like Canada or something. I think the show takes place in California. And so then he apologizes for taking the call <laughs> to Sean and also tells Sean that he was drunk and high during their previous session, which, you know, parts of me were like, Oh, okay. You know, I, Again, there might be periods where that 
could help the therapeutic relationship with that amount of honesty, you know, on the therapist end about parts of them that were present that can definitely be a healing experience in the therapeutic relationship. Uh, and it can also not be healing <laughs> sometimes. So anyway, Jimmy, you know, let Sean know that he was high and drunk and he apologizes for that. And then, you know, Sean proceeds to tell Jimmy about how he gets blended with anger and rage and that parts of him want that to stop. And he asks Jimmy, can you help make that stop? And Jimmy's like, I don't know. But then he has an idea and Jimmy's like, come with me. <laughs> and so then they go from being in the office to all of a sudden being at this MMA fight club and, uh, you know, he, Jimmy's encouraging Sean to get in the ring in that moment and to fight to in order to help process this rage and this anger. And Jimmy says, you know, what you resist persists, which there is truth to that. Right. Absolutely. You know, again, if we're looking at this, like from a parts perspective, you know, if Sean has wounds from being in combat and then he has this anger and rage he has parts within him that don't like that that maybe shame that that want that to go away and you know so if if we have this polarization within our system of this push and pull of this anger this rage, but also these parts that shame that when it happens, then it's just going to be this, this shame cycle is what they talk about in IFS. And that's not healing. And so what we resist is going to still persist, meaning the parts of us that are trying to resist the anger, you know, that anger is still going to persist, even though parts of us are trying to push it away. So really it becomes turning towards with curiosity and openness to better understanding why it's there in the first place so that it then can be healed. Then it you cut to, you know, Jimmy's coworker, Gabby. They're talking about what's been going on with his client, Sean. And Gabby's like, this is unethical. <laughs> because also the other thing, there, I don't think there is anything wrong with inviting a session to be somewhere other than your office, right? Like, if it's okay with you and the client, you know, obviously, you have to make sure that for the client, this is completely fine with them. But like, you can totally have a session walking in nature, you know, at a park on a hiking trail, you can even you can you can go to a restaurant. And, you know, if that's something that makes sense, for the person and their and their work, right? You know, it's fine that like they weren't in his office and they went to this, you know, MMA club. It, it just has to be, again, like the client has to be in full agreement and it has to make sense. Like it has to be to the benefit of the client. Then Paul walks in because I think they're in the break room talking about it, Jimmy and Gabby, and Paul expresses his concerns as well. So it cuts back to Jimmy and Sean and Sean is talking about how he gets really mad when he remembers times when he was happy because parts of him believe that it's not coming back. Parts of him, it sounds like are hopeless that he's never going to feel happy again. And so then that can really activate even more this rage and this anger and sadness. And so then you know, as Sean is sharing this with Jimmy, Jimmy shares with Sean that he understands. And at first, Sean is like, well, screw you. You don't understand. And Jimmy, you know, shares that, you know, he lost his wife. And he shares how that impacted him. And Sean responds with, are you supposed to be telling me this stuff? And Jimmy quickly replies with like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I will say this when it comes to personal sharing personal stuff 
from the side of the therapist. There is a lot of debate about that. My opinion about that is that as long as it's for the benefit of the client, right, then it and it's going to maybe help with bringing a sense of connection and empathy, you know, things like that, then uh, to me, then that's where it can definitely be an appropriate thing for a therapist to share with a client some personal stuff that can relate, you know, to maybe what the client has also been experiencing. And then there's also times where, again, you have to like, as a therapist, you have before you share, like I know for me, like before I share something, I really have to take a moment, turn inside and ask the part of me if there's a part of me that's wanting to share this for the benefit of me, like it's going to make parts of me feel better, or is it actually going to have a benefit for the client? And so there's a big difference. So I feel like that's a good way of gauging in the moment, like, does this make sense or not? And it's totally fine. You know, like I've had moments where I'm in a session and a part of me maybe starts to share something But then I stop and I pause and I'm like, well, hold on, let me just take a moment and turn towards this. And then I realize, no, you know, this isn't for the benefit of the client. This is maybe just a benefit for some of my parts. And then I just let the client know that, no, what I was about to say isn't relevant. And we move on. We move on. So then, you know, it cuts to Alice, Jimmy's daughter, and how... She's mad at her dad because she's like, I've had to deal with grieving her mother's death by herself, that her father has not been present for the entire year after her mom's death. There, I could see where, like for Jimmy, when it comes to grieving, it's really interesting to look at it from a parts perspective. The way that I feel like an IFS, it's kind of looking at grief, it's like, There's a part of us that's grieving. There's a part of us that is extremely sad. And if our system, when I say our system, meaning like my my system of all of my parts, right? If my system, if parts of me don't feel safe to process and really feel that grief and that sadness maybe for fear of being overwhelmed by it to the point that I will never recover, right? Then parts of me might step in as protectors and be like, nope, we're going to push that grief away. We're not going to feel that sadness. And instead, it might be met with depression, oddly enough, where depression can come in, like as a manager part, and be there pretty heavily to try and keep down that grieving, that sadness. So it's this depression that is there. And then you can also have these firefighter parts that jump in, like for Jimmy, where it could be drug use, alcohol use, shopping, uh, sex, you know, any of these things that when there is moments of feeling maybe that grief, those firefighters swoop in and do their thing. And so it also sounds like, you know, for Jimmy, because of him being blended with all these protector parts, he wasn't able to be present with his daughter in the way that she really needed as she was grieving her mother's death. And so then we see Jimmy gets a call from his client, Sean, after he has successfully walked away from a fight and Jimmy and meets him wherever he's at. I think it's like in front of a burger place and Jimmy's all excited and happy for Sean And ask Sean if he'd like to go get dinner to celebrate, which, again, I feel like that's not necessarily an appropriate thing to invite a client to go do. I don't know. And, and, you know, then Sean says, well, I thought your daughter had a soccer game right now. How about we go to that instead? And (laughs) Jimmy's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go do that. So then they proceed together to go to this soccer game that his daughter is playing in. And you can see in that moment, at least for me, it was like a moment of like, because they, they have to go up at one point, this really steep hill. And Jimmy is just exhausted. He's physically just like, 
He's like, I can't do it. And Sean, his client, is like, we're doing this. And he helps him up this mountain, you know, up this hill. And in that moment, I felt like it was very symbolic of like, you know, Jimmy is meant to be there to be helping Sean through his struggles. But it's Sean who's actively helping Jimmy through his. And and I think that that can definitely be a, a real dynamic that can naturally happen in therapy with a therapist and a client where, you know, in IFS, it talks a lot about how people can be mentors to us in terms of helping us discover and find parts within ourselves that maybe need help. You know, that's where like being a therapist, but especially an IFS therapist, it's important like for me to see my own IFS therapist and to have an IFS consultant, you know, that I see once a month to help me process whatever parts of me are getting uncovered by being with, you know, specific clients, you know, throughout the day by being around their parts. And it's a beautiful thing. And if a, if a therapist is open to doing their own inner work, then it's, gonna it's just it's a fantastic way for personal growth so that then as a therapist you can really be present with your clients with that compassion and curiosity rather than like I said being blended with parts that maybe are tired annoyed frustrated things like that so they make it up this hill they get to the soccer game his daughter sees him you can tell she's really grateful and then (laughs) you see this guy angrily walking across the soccer field in the middle of the game towards Jimmy. And you can see on Jimmy's face, I think that he recognizes who the guy is. And you soon discover it's the husband of his client, Grace, who he told her to leave, you know, her husband. So this guy just punches Jimmy, starts beating on him physically. And then Sean who's his client, who has, you know, who's seen Jimmy to work on his parts of him that are angry and can, you know, beat up people, starts beating on this guy. (laughs) So then the cops get involved. Sean goes to jail. The other guy also goes to jail. The episode comes to a close when Alice, you know, Jimmy's daughter comes up to him. He's sitting on the curb with like a bloody nose, a black eye. And she thanks him. She's like, you know, I just, she's like, regardless of what happened here, (laughs) which was really strange. She's like, I want to thank you for coming to my game. And you could just really tell in that moment that she was just genuinely very grateful for the fact that he was there, that he showed up. And then he says something to her that, you know, was, was really sad, but he was like, he said, I would have come to your game sooner, but you just look so much like your mom. And then it ends. Oh, and it was like, oh, my heart. I mean, because in that statement, you know, it was so honest and open with her. And, you know, you could just hear again, like these protector parts within Jimmy were like, we can't be around our daughter because she activates that grief. She activates that sadness because she physically looks like his deceased wife. And so then these protector parts within Jimmy were like, well, then we're just not going to be around her. We're not going to, we, we don't, we can't see her. And so again, it's like those protector parts within Jimmy had positive intention for him, but we're having a negative impact overall for Alice and the relationship. So I thought it was a really, you know, kind of brilliant first episode. And so then we go into episode number two. And it opens with <laughs> Jimmy bailing out his client, Sean, out of jail. And uh, he offers up, uh, you know, one of his good friends who's a lawyer to his client, Sean, because, you know, Sean's like, this guy's going to press charges and, and he does. And so then we see both Gabby, Paul and Jimmy back in the break room at work. And Jimmy is sharing with Gabby about everything that's happening with Sean But then Paul walks in and Jimmy decides to lie to Paul (laughs) about what actually is happening. 
with these scenes of them in a break room, you know, a part of me really felt nostalgic about that experience. You know, I parts of me miss working in an environment like that where there was a break room and there was a setting where people, coworkers could go and sit with each other and talk and relax and consult, right? And so I, I parts of me were really missing that. You know, I, I had that environment for over 10 years and then, you know, moving to my own private practice, you know, you don't have that. So yeah, it's nice, you know, watching them having these break room scenes because it, like I said, it, it brings back happy memories and nostalgic feelings of connectedness and, you know, support. So, you know, Jimmy has a black eye <laughs> from the fight at the soccer game and he's on a telehealth uh, video session with his client, Grace, and he's trying to hide his face <laughs> by angling the camera so that she couldn't clearly see his face. But it's so awkward because she's like, Jimmy, I can't see you. And he's like, oh, I don't know what's going on. There must be something weird on the camera. And uh, and then he just, he's like, oh, oh, sorry, bye. And just like closes the computer. And I'm like, okay, was the session over? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like one of those moments where I'm thinking like, oh, man, so many things wrong with this. And so then it, the, it goes to Jimmy again in his office, but sitting with a, a new client that they're featuring. His name is Dan. And Dan is talking about his annoyance with this specific barista at this coffee shop that he goes to, I guess, every morning to get his coffee. And specifically how the barista has the goal to ask him how he's doing. <laughs> and that really activates his parts. Like, it really gets him all activated. And then you see Jimmy kind of offering a technique, you know, sometimes in therapy where it's kind of like a challenge where, you know, he just kind of says, what if this barista is not out to get you, but is just trying to ask you about your day and is just trying to connect, you know, in some way. Then Jimmy kind of offers this interpretation of, noticing this part within Dan that gets activated with annoyance, but that maybe it's doing that in order to keep isolating him, maybe to prevent feeling hurt if he were to connect with people. But that ultimately it's just leading to him, parts of him feeling really lonely. And Dan agrees. He's like, yes. And he's like, the loneliness really hurts. And so then in that moment, in the therapy session, Jimmy's like, all right, I have an idea. Let's go get some coffee. And so they go to a coffee shop. They go to the same, I guess, coffee shop where this barista is, where the, this client goes. And so Jimmy kind of models in the moment, like, how to answer this small talk question, right? I think the barista says, like, oh, hello, how are you today? And Jimmy's like, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? He's like, I'm good. And then he goes, Dan, <laughs> how are you doing? And Dan responds with a very actually like very honest you know I think he says something like well I'm actually quite annoyed <laughs> or something like that and it actually ends up being a connecting moment between Dan and the barista because the barista uh, I guess agrees with him you know in some way about the annoyance I think it was specifically about oat milk or something like that and so then I'm looking at the clock there was literally a clock behind the barista and it was a quarter till the next hour. I think it was like 145. And my therapist part within me was like, oh, my gosh, like he doesn't have enough time <laughs> to be doing this with this client. Like he's probably got another session in 15 minutes and he's at this coffee shop. And then it was funny because then sure enough, uh, Jimmy looks at that clock and goes, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> And he just runs out of the coffee shop and the client's like, I thought you said you were paying. <laughs> so Jimmy leaves and uh, ends up going to the high school where his daughter goes to meet the guidance counselor. And Liz, the neighbor, is also there. Because like I said, Liz spends a lot of time with Alice, knows her very well, and uh, was there to provide support. 
And so the guidance counselor is expressing concern about Alice, that she's not a social anymore. Liz is there providing her feedback. She It's clear that she knows a lot about Alice that maybe Jimmy doesn't know anymore because of the amount of isolation he's had from his daughter for a year. They cut to Jimmy back at work and he's in the break room with Paul and Gabby. And he's talking about how parts of him felt really embarrassed and humiliated being in that meeting with Liz. One thing that Paul says that I wrote down because I thought it was a really beautiful statement is he said, anybody who helps us raise our kids with love and respect, we should be grateful. And that really, yeah, that really touched me because I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. You know, if we can have people surrounding us, like if we have children that help us raise our kids with love and respect, I know I have so much gratitude for that. (laughs) Definitely, definitely do. But then Gabby, she kind of is the polar to what Paul was kind of expressing was Gabby's concerns of, you know, do you not think that maybe Liz being this involved is maybe causing a a block between you, Jimmy, being able to connect with your with your daughter, Alice, in the way that you really need to now. And he was like, well, yeah, kind of. And so, again, you could kind of see this polarization within Jimmy of where parts of him were really grateful for Liz, for her doing everything that she's been helping with Alice. And then there's other parts of Jimmy that feel humiliated, embarrassed, and maybe frustrated with Liz and maybe wanting her to back off a little bit. So then they cut to Alice, his daughter, sitting like in a park with Paul. And so parts of me were like, wait, how are all of these people so in like connected with each other. (laughs) So Alice is sitting on a park bench with Paul and he says another thing to her that I thought was a pretty great statement. He said, are you going to let your grief drown you or are you going to face it and come through the other side? And that stood out to me because kind of like what I mentioned before, you know, from an IFS perspective, it's, I feel like it's not so much maybe the grief is drowning and, and sometimes it is, right? Like sometimes it is maybe that part that's carrying the grief and the sadness is drowning the person. And I feel like sometimes it's this, again, like the protector parts are trying to push the grief away and maybe we're blended with the protector parts that are maybe causing the depression or the other type of risky behavior. But for Alice, it does seem like maybe she has some blendedness with the actual grief parts, like Paul was saying. And, you know, instead of actually turning and facing the grief and allowing, like she wasn't, like her system maybe wasn't fully allowing the grief to process and to integrate. It was kind of just being stuck there. And maybe out of fear of what if I do allow this to process, what will happen? You know, what would that mean? That type of thing. And so I really appreciate what Paul said, what what his character said of like, can you face it? And then can you come through the other side? Meaning like as we face it, yeah, it can process, it can integrate, it can heal, and it can become a part of us, but in, yeah, that, that balanced way. And so then they cut to Jimmy back in therapy session with another new client who has issues with certain compulsive behaviors. It sounds like that she's having maybe obsessive and and compulsive behaviors Uh, because I guess in this scene, I think she, she looks at the clock, like he has a little clock in his office room and she looks at the clock. And if she does that, she has to hold her breath until the minute changes in order to prevent, I'm assuming maybe something bad from happening, right? So that's an example of like, maybe this obsessive fear of like, oh, if I don't do this compulsion, like this compulsive behavior of holding my breath after I look at the clock, something bad will happen. So then, you know, Jimmy's telling her like, this is a safe space. Nothing bad's going to happen in here. (laughs) And as he says this, (laughs) His friend, Brian, who's the lawyer that he referred to as client, Sean, Brian barges into his office unannounced in the middle of the day 
during this session with his client and Brian proceeds to just unload his anger and frustration to Jimmy <laughs> about how Jimmy, you know, hasn't talked to him in a year. He's been ghosting him and he's going on and on and on. And yeah, <laughs> and this poor client, you know, is just sitting there like, oh my gosh, like what? So like, here I am, I'm supposed to be in this like safe space. And it's, it was not in that moment. So I thought that was it. <laughs> the actor that plays Brian, he does a great job. And it was really, it was really funny. It was a funny scene it, with it. You know, it ends with Brian leaving and like, pushing down the coat rack and shutting the door. And then Jimmy looking at his client saying, you're going to die. And the client going, we're all going to die. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a funny moment. Uh, but it cuts to Gabby, you know, Jimmy's coworker going to the neighbor, Liz, you know, at Liz's house and, and basically telling Liz to back off when it comes to the time that she spends with Alice. And again, it was kind of a moment of like, even though, you know, Gabby, like they're coworkers and it's clear that like Gabby and Jimmy are friends, you know? And I believe that they start insinuating that like Gabby was good friends with Jimmy's wife uh, before she passed away. But you can kind of get the sense of kind of like this enmeshment that they kind of have with each other between the coworkers and, obviously the neighbor and, and things like that. And, and, you know, Liz expresses to Gabby parts of her that were really hurt by a conversation she overheard between Gabby and Jimmy's deceased wife, where basically, I guess, Gabby kind of said, Oh, she's such a mom. And Gabby was like, well, you are a mom. And she was like, no, that's not what you meant. And, I took that as Gabby maybe had parts of her that were judging the fact that, you know, Liz, I think has a lot of parts within her that I maybe identify as, as a mom in the sense that maybe she's blended with parts that, yeah, identify her existence as a mother. They insinuate that, you know, I think Liz has maybe like two or three sons, but they, they already have moved out of the house and, that Liz maybe kind of, she lives for this mother part within her. And so, you know, Gabby's expressing concern about that. Then they cut to Sean and he's at his parents' house. His parents kick him out because they had told him, you know, if you get in trouble again due to fighting and then he went to jail, they were like, well, you can't live here anymore. So he leaves and then we see Alice bailing on Liz to have dinner that night. They were supposed to have Taco Tuesday so that she could surprise her dad with food because she was like, I feel ready to have dinner with him. And so then you see Liz, you know, saying to Alice, you know, oh, that's great, honey. Yeah, like go have dinner with your dad. And then they show her walking into her house and you see that she's, you know, she's activated with parts of her that are disappointed but maybe also concerned because she sees that she's like created this ginormous feast. And I think she realizes in that moment, like, Oh yeah, maybe there's some truth to what Gabby shared with her about maybe her being, you know, blended with these mothering parts and that maybe she needs to have some spaciousness from that a little bit. So then Jimmy's in the house. He's drinking alcohol alone in the dark in the kitchen. And uh, Brian, his friend, who's a lawyer who barged into his office, had invited him to join him at pickleball that night. Uh, but Jimmy had originally declined. But then in that moment, he realizes like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go have fun with him and meet up with him again. But then his daughter, Alice, walks in. She's got food. He, at this point, is already dressed for pickleball. She doesn't use clear communication <laughs> with her dad in this moment. And she does not say like, Oh, I got these sandwiches so we could have dinner. She says, Oh, I got these so I could eat this with Liz. 
And she says this because she sees that her dad is dressed for pickleball. He seems excited about it. And uh, so they don't end up eating together. Jimmy goes to meet Brian for pickleball. And then Alice goes and meets Paul at his house and they eat together. So Jimmy meets Brian. They're playing pickleball. They're having a good time. And then Brian expresses frustration to Jimmy because he's like, I want answers. Why did you not talk to me for over a year? It was really hurtful. And Jimmy shares with him that, you know, Brian, I guess he had parts that didn't feel comfortable with allowing Jimmy to be sad. And so Jimmy felt like he couldn't be miserable. He couldn't express or feel his sadness when he was around Brian. And so therefore it sounds like his system maybe was feeling some shame or some rejection. And then he maybe had some protector parts that were like, all right, well then we're just not going to see him kind of similar with his daughter. So, so they apologize to each other and it seems like they're on better terms, you know, as Jimmy leaves. And so then we see Alice walking back into the house and Sean, the client who's just got kicked out of his parents' house, is sitting at the kitchen counter eating food (laughs) in Jimmy and Alice's house. Alice is shocked. She doesn't know who this is. And uh, Jimmy lets Alice know, hey, this is Sean. He's going to be staying with us for a while. (laughs) And then episode two is over. (laughs) And in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, Jimmy, you know. Because again, it's I, it's 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 a conflict, right? Because totally understandable that there are parts within Jimmy that want to help Sean. It makes total sense. And with the therapist-client relationship, that's not ethically appropriate to invite a client to be living with you in your home, you know, as you're treating them. It's just ethically no not allowed to do that so there we are episodes one and two of shrinking (laughs) beautiful show like i said i'm really enjoying it it's bringing up things within me that i'm feeling really curious about and i was feeling called towards talking about it and it would be neat to get other people's opinion about this i have a couple other therapist friends that are watching this as well so it's it's going to be fun kind of, you know, chatting with them about their thoughts about these things too. But thank you all so much for listening. And I hope you found this to be helpful or entertaining in some way. And I look forward to talking with you all again. See you next time.